Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stemmen Podcast. Hope you're having a good day. I know I don't sound like myself this morning, uh, mainly because uh, last weekend I had a confirmation retreat with 17 students and did a lot of talking, a lot of singing, having a lot of fun, and I lost my voice. So it's slowly coming back. So if I sound very Eeyore-ish, as I explained that to Micah, uh, that's the reason why my voice is a little off today. But good thing I have a co-host here to carry me through this show. Micah Current, how are you today? My and yours. Um, but we're here and we're going to push through. That's right. So uh story's gone wild. Got anything for us, Micah? Well, I guess my story's gone wild. I was like, I wonder if we're going to do this episode or not. Because yesterday you texted me and you were like, hey, I don't have a voice. We can't do this episode. Um, and then you texted me this morning. <laughs> you said that you sounded like Eeyore. And for those who have watched Winnie the Pooh or know the Winnie the Pooh story, um, Eeyore is the... And, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to make the noises that donkeys make, but... Um, <laughs> I was afraid of what Scott was going to sound like when we jumped on this call this morning. So that's, it was uh, me scrambling this morning to see whether or not we were going to do this episode or not. So that's, that's my story has gone wild today. All right. This week. Well, my story has gone wild has to do with um, actually the last week. Cause last episode, we didn't do stories gone wild because we, our stories gone wild was the uh, town hall meeting in our reflection yeah. of that. So I went and saw, Silent Planet in Columbus with a couple other bands. And this was the first time I've been to this venue, the King of Clubs. And in and two weeks ago, it was just snowing pretty heavily in Ohio. I think I got about six inches of snow in Columbus. Um, and uh, as I was uh, walking up, I noticed that there was a girl there, white, heavily snowing on everybody, standing outside in a line. Wearing jeans and a bra, and that's it. So she's getting pelted with snow. I'm kind of on the far back. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that woman must be freezing. And we still had another 20 minutes before we could enter the venue. Well, all of a sudden, the door opens up, and some band members are coming out to get stuff from their cars or their buses. And uh, the lead singer, Silent Planet Garrett, comes out and he sees. He sees this woman, so he ends up taking off his coat. And mind you, he's from uh, San Diego, California, so the coat he's wearing is like a, a windbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> so he puts the windbreaker on this woman, goes to his bus, comes back out with a box of merch, gets his jacket back, remember, hands her a sweatshirt, and then he starts going down the line, seeing if anybody else was cold and needed a sweatshirt. And there was a guy who was like three, who were like three people back from me. And we're just kind of sitting in a group talking. And he goes, man, I should have took off my shirt so I could get a free Silent Planet hoodie. <laughs> but we went, but we eventually got in there and had a great time at the show. It was good, good time. But I just thought that's weird. Like, if you know it's snowing, I don't know why you would think, hey. I'm just going to go and wear a bra and pants and nothing else to the show. And then 
people are coming out of the VIP package. So they're putting all their like exclusive merch in their cars and going back in. And there's a guy dressed up as a full blown Triceratops. I don't okay. know why. Not like not like an inflatable one, like a pajama set that had like a hood over that looked like a triceratops, full body onesie of a triceratops. So if you're ever worried, like, oh, our medal shows a bunch of people dressed in black and goth. No, they barely wear any clothing and they dress up like dinosaurs. That's a metal show for you. So you shared that story last week. No, I didn't because we didn't talk about it last week. I, I told you about it before you hit record. I'm pretty sure you said that as in regards to the girl not wearing wearing the clothes and then she got the free hoodie. Well, it was so weird. I had to share it twice, Micah. Well, but then I don't remember the part about the... The, the, the dinosaur? The dinosaur pajamas. Part. So your story's gone wild was a, a story that was told, but it, it was... Yes, it, it was like the next chapter of last week's stories. <laughs> I'm going to keep talking about this metal show because more weird stuff happened. Now. I'm joking. Yes, yes, yes. Especially when between sets of DJ started playing Careless Whisper by Wham and the whole everybody in the audience is just singing it very loudly. Which we think of metal shows, you're not thinking of George Michael, Wham, and Careless Whisper. I haven't been to a metal show for a while, so um, I think last summer I went. We went and saw like 3D's Grace and Chevelle, and there was this mm-hmm. other band, but like nothing really crazy happened at the show. I know some of my teens. They like, oh, when I showed them my pictures and videos, they're like, we want to go. I'm like, well, the problem with metal shows, especially, you could have a band that's a Christian band like Silent Planet. But that doesn't mean all the other artists are Christian, so I can't really make it a church event. But they're right. like, oh, we don't care. And I just saw that in May at the same venue, uh, Maylene and the Sons of Disaster are coming to play. I'm like, so they like, guys, yeah, Maylene's coming. Here, listen to him. What do you think? They're like, oh, man, let's go to see Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. So I might have company next time I'm there. <laughs> but Is your church going to care? No. I mean... At this point, I'll say it's as a – if I if I make it a youth event, they probably care if I'm saying, hey, I'm going to do a show, and if anybody wants to come with me, it's on you. Ask your parents. I'll drive you. But other than that, like, they probably won't care. Um, so as we uh, dive into our topic today, um, last week – I think it was like maybe on a Thursday of last week, uh, Indiana Ministries of the Church of God posted an article from its state director, Jeff uh, Jeff Mattis, I believe. Yes. Yes. Who's the state pastor of Indiana Ministries. And he wrote this article called The Deconstruction of Christian Faith. And he goes on talking about deconstruction and how deconstruction is basically people rethinking their faith without regarding scripture as the standard. And that's a definition from a book he read called The Deconstruction of Christianity from Alyssa Childers, who was the uh, one of the singers in Zoe Girl, if you remember them. 
and Tim Barnett, who's an apologist, who who I've known Tim Barnett through uh, TikTok. He has a couple of videos on TikTok um, where he does like kind of apologist stuff. So read the article, had some thoughts. Micah shared it with you. You had some thoughts. So where do you want to begin with this article? Well, I do know that. So before I started co-hosting this show with you, that you did a series on deconstruction. And I feel like, so I missed that whole movement, conversation, missed the whole, like all these, you know, pastor's kids, you know, going through the deconstruction, whatever you want to call it. And movement, I guess, is what they're calling it. Um, but like the the idea of deconstruction for me is almost as if it were confused at first. I, I mean, I went back and I had listened to a couple of your episodes before I'd started um, co-hosting with you regularly. But like, I feel like the conversation of deconstruction is very interesting. and And the reason I say that is that like, It's if they're using another word as a cop out. Mm. And, and and what I mean by that is is simply that like it's like you either believe or something you believe in something or you don't, right? And um the whole deconstruction, you know, as I looked it up and like looked looked at definition, is like systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs that you grew up with. That can mean several different things. Oh, um, yeah. <clears throat> like mainly like, let's just say you're a pastor's kid, <laughs> me, uh, you grew up in the church and I agree with what your parent, the way that your parents did ministry that can be defined as one way of deconstruction. Um, but there are people that are, are like taking it a step further and they're saying that deconstruction is just like this whole, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I don't believe this. I don't believe people, you know, it, it, it's whacked out theology. Right. And, and, and I don't, and I'm not trying to like play that down by any means. Like it's just they're, they're, um, am I close with that? Scott, like people are just making up their theology as they try to figure it out. And it's almost like they're saying, Oh, I don't know if I believe this, but yet you believe still. But you're making up so your own rules. It's, I think, the tricky part about deconstruction, because, again, like, I did that when I did those episodes, which was, like, two years ago, maybe even three at this point. Like, um, that's, like, right at the height, like, at the pinnacle of this whole movement. So talking to people and hearing people's stories it kind of goes a lot of different ways, right? You know, me interviewing uh, Josh, who grew up in the church, felt to call the ministry, worked at a church in Huber Heights, had a great experience, got ordained, started working at a church outside of Huber, and it wasn't a great experience. And some of the questions he kind of was struggling with or dealing with was, You know, if we are supposed to be a loving church, then why is it that sometimes people are just not so loving? 
and mm. people are cruel, especially. So he had to wrestle with that. Where my friend Veronica, who grew up in a very conservative Texas Christian school, had to deconstruct those beliefs. And then she goes out to Hollywood, starts making a living as an actress. And then she'll go to church and see how, oh, this church has so much money and they keep building all these new big, bigger, a bigger and bigger church in LA. And yet we have homeless people right across the ways that we don't even help. Mm -hmm. So for her, it's just like her thing from the time she started going to this Christian school to even what she's seeing now, it seems like Christianity, which she, you know, kind of, if she still believes or not, it's kind of maybe not as, she probably doesn't as believe as much as Josh still does, but it's a different experience. And I think when it comes to deconstruction, why it's so hard to define is you can have people who can kind of deconstruct their faith, basically shut off all the stuff that they were told that they believe that in line with scripture doesn't fit. And with say, what's okay, going on in the world today. What's going? I wouldn't necessarily say what's going on in the world today, but kind of what they were taught on a certain interpretation of scripture doesn't really line up with what they're learning now, reading that same scripture. Because interpretation of scripture um, is, can change. Um, and by what I mean by that is, you know, when I was in college, a seminary, I had a woman who we had to pick a scripture and we had to like go through an exegesis of it. And she ended up picking a scripture about that was used for, against her about why she couldn't be a pastor. And if she wanted to serve in ministry, the best way she could do that is to marry a pastor. Mm. So going to college, going to seminary, getting her master's, doing exegesis, doing that verse. And then at the end of our semester, when we turn in our papers and the professor asks us, what did you learn? And you can see tears coming down her eyes and saying how not only was the scripture used incorrectly, but it was used as a weapon to stop me from the calling that God had had on my life. That is a form of deconstruction where she's looking at the scriptures, she's studying the scriptures and realized what she was taught in the church was incorrect. So you have that side of the spectrum, and then you have the other side, which I think this is what where uh, Jeff is getting at, where there's people who are deconstructing their faith, but they're not using Scripture as a standard. They're saying, well, here's what I'm seeing in the world, and I feel like the Scriptures just need to get with the times, or the Scriptures are no longer relevant to this particular experience or what's happening. And I think both those things can be deconstruction. Does that make sense? Yes. And I wasn't trying to downplay that by any means when I said no. that earlier, but like at the same time, I think that can deconstruction be used as another word for theology? Like, what do you believe and why? Oh and, yeah, absolutely. And so when my wife and I were, when you sent me this article, my wife and I were driving and I, I pulled it up and I was reading it and he was like, what are you reading? And we were talking about it. <clears throat> and then I was like, I really struggle with this whole idea of deconstruction because these people are still believing 
but they're trying to figure out what they believe. And so how different is that from the word theology? And theology is basically figuring out what do you believe? Holy Spirit, what do you believe about ordinances uh, such as communion and foot washing and baptism? And it's like, it, it's it's almost, I'm not saying this like lightly, but like deconstruction is theology light in, in respect to like, okay, what do you believe? And um, okay, if you believe one thing and you're just trying to unlearn or figure out what you believe, And why, I, I would just say, like, that's just another way to talk about theology. And, you know, if you line up six pastors in a row, and one's a Methodist, one's a Lutheran, one's an Episcopalian, one's Catholic, one is Presbyterian, and one is, I don't know, Church of Christ, they're all going to believe something different. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I can you know, honestly say that theology has changed, at least my theology has changed over the years in respect to things like compassion and thinking of the church outside of the four walls of the physical location. Um, and honestly, like the way of doing things in respect to the way that we've always done them before, if that makes sense. Um uh -huh. You talk about, we use the word denomination and movement, but like, I honestly believe that because some churches are so small and they're dying and they're not going to be around in, in, in 5, 10, 15 years, it's, it's a result of them not changing with the times. Now, I don't know if that's a, that's a result of deconstruction or the fact that there have been younger folks in the church that have tried to come along with this church. And I'm not even saying any church, you know, specifically, but like, they're like, okay, I believe in Jesus. Now what, why aren't we doing what the gospel tells us? And like, you're saying, you know, to your, uh, about your friend who said that, you know, I do a paper and, you know, I have a calling of Jesus on my life. What am I supposed to do? Or the person who went to Hollywood and they're making millions of dollars in this church and they're not using it to advance the kingdom of God and helping the homeless person across the street like that i don't know i <laughs> we're going all, i'm going all over the place but like it just feels yeah. that, like it just feels that like okay i can go to a church and not agree with the way they're doing things but i'm not gonna like quote unquote deconstruct from that i'm just gonna say hey I, I just don't think that adds up. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and part of me, part of me is very curious if that is due because of our education. How we study the Bible, how we broke it down. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Stregge once said that when you think about Anderson University, you have the school, you have the school of theology the seminary, and then you have the Bible department. And even though location is right across the valley, 
but theology, but from a theological perspective, they're divided by a chasm. Anderson being a liberal arts school, you're kind of getting going to be challenged a little bit more for about how you think about faith, where at the SOT, they're going to tell you, well, this is what the church of God believes, and this is what you need to believe. So you don't, and I think for me going to Anderson and having that experience, it made me understand that, hey, if I have a if I have this moment where I'm wrestling or deconstructing, at least I know I can look at scripture, I can study the scripture, I can look at resources, see what other people are saying about the scripture, and really kind of come to a conclusion of that. Where your regular churchgoer who may have been taught, you know, this is the way the this is the way you interpret a certain passage in the Bible. And then all these years later, you find out, oh, that was a bad interpretation and how much of that you held on to as your faith. And now that has to be cut away. Um, that kind of becomes a, uh, you know, that I think that kind of becomes problematic too, because it's not necessarily them walking away from their faith. They're just kind of redefining it. That doesn't mean they're leaving the church. That means that they're trying to understand God in a bigger picture, or I guess in a more authentic picture than what they were necessarily taught. And I think it could go either way. Like, I mean, there's times where I've been on Facebook or TikTok, and I've seen some of these people who call themselves ex-evangelicals or use the hashtag deconstruction, and you can tell they have no affiliation with any church, church belief. They no longer claim to be a Christian. And their whole platform is making fun of other Christians or other pastors. Usually Mark Driscoll, which <clears throat> I make fun of Mark Driscoll too. But at the same time, these people are probably grew up in a very high evangelical church where you were told the John Pipers and the Matt Chandlers and the Mark Driscoll's and the Stephen Furtick's were like, these are like great, great theologians, great pastors, great theologians in some respect. And then you kind of realize, hey, the stuff they're kind of teaching doesn't really quite align up with scripture. And not do you think only that you those have, folks do, do you think those folks do that for attention? Well, the folks that are like they're not like connected to a church, but yet they're they're on social a social platform, hiding behind a social platform, and they're running, quote unquote, running their mouths about certain things and certain topics. But like you said, they're not connected to a local body. Well, here's what I think, and this and this really goes into social media. I think a lot of times, <clears throat> looking at generations, both with millennials and Gen Z. The internet has become kind of like the boomers and Gen X's diaries and journals. You know, a lot of times, like my sister, she would have a journal she'd write in. And then if I found it and read it, she'd get really mad at me. Where when I had students, when I was first doing youth, a lot of times I'd find them on MySpace and they would just be putting stuff out there for everybody to read. 
What's well, MySpace? Yeah, what's MySpace, right? <laughs> or even on Facebook. People would put stuff on Facebook about, oh, how my husband cheated on me. Or I'm having issues with my kids. They're just not listening to me. and They're getting in trouble in school. And it's like, sometimes there's stuff. It's like, I don't really need to know this information about you. That's something you should probably talk to a person, not put it out there for the internet because you're then going to have everybody in the interwebs dissecting it and talking about it. Some are going to be supportive. Some are going to be judgmental. And I think when it comes to TikTok and YouTube and Instagram, when you put that out there, and maybe at first I go on there, I say, man, I want to talk about my experience at the church. And here's this, Here's my experience. I'm just sharing a testimony of my experiences of the pain that I've endured. And I start noticing, man, I got 72,000 likes. And then I do a part two, and now I get 90,000 likes. Then I do a part three, and now I do get like 100,000 likes. And now I'm starting to become an influencer, and I'm now getting paid money for share my experience. Well, one bad experience is not going to kind of keep the money train going. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying they're right. doing it for financial reasons, but I think there is an incentive to keep making content because people are responding to it. And if people are responding to it in some ways, and even in what Jeff wrote is from what he read in this book by, um, by Chambers and, um, Barnett is that sometimes these platforms can become safe spaces for people to deconstruct, but at the same time, it could also be a place for people who may be, well, here's this one aspect of my faith that I'm really struggling with. And now it kind of becomes all of it. And one time I was listening to a podcast on the Holy, uh, the Holy post with, um, Oh, Phil, Phil Vischer and Sky Jatani, and they were talking about deconstruction kind of like right at the pinnacle. And one of the people they're interviewing said, when I talk to people, the thing is, is when people are deconstructing, they don't want to stay there. Because their foundation that they've had has kind of been destroyed and now they're kind of floating and they need to kind of put their feet on a new foundation so they can kind of rebuild their faith. And if yeah. that's and and you know and and the thing I I came away from that is well was their faith really based on Jesus was it based on Scripture or was it based on someone else's interpretation of Jesus and Scripture and that's why I made it a key point during my confirmation thing to always be in your reading your Bible always ask questions and try to. Always in here and find resources to help you understand what they're talking about in here. Because if I base my whole entire faith based on what my pastor taught me or my Sunday school teacher taught me, and I never once read the Bible for myself, I'm I'm not on a very solid foundation. You know what I mean? So let me ask you this. In a sense, everybody should be going through some sort of deconstruction. I think so. 
and again, and, and, de- and I think that deconstruction, you know, because of how popular it got over the, you know, the last couple of years, the word, it doesn't necessarily mean something bad. Yeah, it's just it's a, like I said word. before, it's another, yeah, it's another word for theology. It's another word for figuring out your faith. It's another word for figuring out what you believe and why. It's just, you know, it, it, it's kind of concerning too when you think about it. Like you said that, like you know, you're, you're telling people to read their Bibles every day and and to figure out what they believe. And you know, we did the episode a couple of weeks back on on tithing, and you know, if you do a little bit of you know digging, um, there's the scripture of Malachi that talks about give ten percent of what you you have, right? Your possessions, your, your, you know, as a gift, as an offering to the Lord. And the old Testament way of giving was completely different than the new Testament. Right. And then the new Testament, it just talks about giving with a cheerful heart. Right. And that can mean give, give money to the poor, give, you know, clothing to the homeless, uh, give food to those in need. Um, but in the Old Testament, it was more of a, a sacrificial gift to cover for A, an offering to the Lord, and B, the atonement of sins for the entire year because they believe that, you know, you bring that offering once a year and it's supposed to cover you for the whole year. Um, so in respect to deconstruction, I think that we should all be going through some sort of deconstruction and um figuring out what we believe and why. And it's like, you know, you and I both went through the ordination process in the church of God. We had to write theological statements of what we believe and why I believe that there, um, I don't know how many you had to write, but I think I had to write 15, 14 or 15. 12. I did 12. Okay. And then Jeanette, uh, who's been on our show, pastor Jeanette Flynn, Reverend Dr. Jeanette Flynn, um, had, um, told me recently that they're doing something a little bit different and they're going to be doing that moving forward. And it's like these seven, it's like seven. Um, I don't know. I don't what I don't remember what the word is, but it's like they're, they're lumping those theological statements into groups more they're so like that there's letters. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, as a result, the hope and the idea is that people will understand what they believe and why more so as a result from combining things uh, and making now those papers are going to be longer because of, you know, combining certain topics, but um, it's, there's so many different directions we can go with this, but like, it seems to me that there is a lack of empathy from other generations and other people who don't understand what the word deconstruction means. And um, I'm, you know, I'm guilty of that. But like when I look at it myself and we've, you know, unpacked what that means, I, I've honestly done some deconstruction. Um, I'm yeah. sure that you've done some deconstruction. I've uh, And <clears throat> it's, uh, I think we should all be looking at what we believe. Not to pick on the Church of God, but there's other um, other movements that really it, it just seems like they have it more figured out and do a better job of teaching the foundations of what they believe and why. And that could be like you with 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 the UMC and having to teach confirmation, for example. That can be the Southern Baptist Church teaching, you know, the tulip theology, Reformation 
you know, churches, you know, teaching reformed theology, Calvinist, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think that we, we do a huge disservice um, in the Western church today, uh, regardless of the denomination or movement or whatever church you're associated with. Um, I think we can certainly do a better job of like, um, unpacking those beliefs. Would you agree with yeah, that? I think so too. And I think you bring up a good point because, um, you know, when I look at the book that Jeff mentions in this uh, article being written by Childers and Barnett, when you think about those two people and I'm not, and again, I'm not going to be trashing them, but most of them, but they have come from a very high evangelical culture high conservative evangelical culture. So for them, when they, and again, from what Jeff said in this book, they got to listen to stories and see what was happening on social media, right? Well, if you go on TikTok, there's a lot of people from that evangelical movement that, you know, based on their definition, which their definition is, a postmodern process of rethinking your faith without regard without regarding scripture as the standard. Like, yeah, if I, some of those videos, I can clearly see that definition being played out. At the same time, it doesn't really fit everybody's experience. Because you could probably ask someone like Tim, who probably went to a church where even if he had his doubts or questioning, at least he had the tools or the support or even at a good church that maybe allowed them to ask those questions and to where to find the answers in the scripture for those questions and have a good sound theological background or a good foundation in scripture where some of these other people probably did not. I watched a video recently where this guy was talking about how he's kind of, I guess, in the season of deconstruction because he went to the IFB churches, which are the independent fundamental Baptist churches, and how there are people who he looked up to, and now they're being arrested because of sexual misconduct. So like his heroes of the faith, which were these men in the IFB, why he got into become a pastor in the first place, are now new lights being revealed that they're not the people they say they are. And now he's kind of in this state like, what do I do with this? Because even the founder of this movement wasn't who he said he was. So where does that leave me in my faith? And again, it kind of goes back to kind of Tim's point and Alicia's point. Well, was your faith really based on the scripture or one's interpretation of the scripture? And did you actually have the tools to really study and figure out the scriptures on your own terms based on your own research through commentaries, through looking at everything to brought of bring the scripture to life or was what was bringing the scripture to life was someone else's interpretation telling you, well, this is what we believe. This is how you need to believe. Like even with my 12 statements that I wrote for ordination, that's what I believed when I was 22 now that it may I'm not be old, the same as what you believe. It may now. not be the same, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the scriptures that I kind of use to support it, that I disagree with those scriptures that I used, you know, 
years ago. All it means is I may have other scriptures or I may have done some study and I now have a different view of it in light of those same scriptures or other scriptures that kind of bring that kind of can be brought into what I believe about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Which goes to your point that deconstruction is a way of kind of reworking our theology. Yeah. Do you want to like focus more on the, the actual post of that or the comments or talk about that or talk through some well, of those things? Like we, we've talked a lot about what deconstruction is, um, but what well, you're think, always... Well, I think the comment section is very interesting because and it kind of goes on to just kind of that same view of people having a whole different definition of what deconstruction is. Um, so for an example, if I... I mean, I just have the article. You probably have up the, the Facebook thing up. But um, let me see if I can find it real quick. But I know one of the comments that was mentioned is actually from someone I went to school with. And I, I agree with some of the stuff he's saying, and it kind of hits on that point. So uh, this is from my buddy I went to school with, Chris. He says, while I appreciate what you have written, I have a few thoughts. First, the idea that deconstruction leaves out the idea of scripture is simply wrong in many cases. In fact, for many, it is looking at scripture in actual context, as well as utilizing what we have learned over time about when and what was written. Secondly, and more hurtful, is using the phrase falling prey to deconstruction. This simply comes across as if asking questions and wanting to really understand your faith is wrong, even with the afterthought that the church should be a place to ask questions. Just some thoughts from a person who has three degrees from Church of God schools. Mm. Uh, did you want to read? Again, my voice is shot. Did you want to read any of the other comments that were made? I mean, who's did you read, by the way? You read Chris, Joe's? Chris Castle. Oh, uh, no, I read Chris's. Well, the only other one that I see is the one from Joe Watkins, right? right? There's also another one from a Ryan. Got it. Hang on. There Facebook does this thing. Facebook does the thing where it filters the comments. <laughs> yeah, you have to do um, all comments, see everything. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first comment was from Ryan, and it says, I find it unhelpful and unrealistic in modern ministry to connect with deconstruction to negative connotations as this article and the book it references does. I get some people leave faith, but those who don't necessarily, those who, those who do haven't necessarily deconstructed and those who have deconstructed haven't necessarily left their faith. That's a good point. Cause some, it is a good like, point. Um, you know, some that leave the faith don't, have they haven't properly went through why they're not going to church anymore, why they're not practicing religion or faith or, or, or something like that. Uh, the second paragraph goes on to say people I know who unashamedly claim deconstruction found it to be a healthy alternative that takes a deeper look at faith, tears down unnecessary walls, unnecessary walls and builds a much stronger foundation centered in the way of Jesus. Wow. As I walk with them, I find people are 
walking away from scripture is they're walking away from interpretation and scripture handed to them, which is kind mm-hmm. of what we talked about earlier. The authorities who demand adherence to their single interpretation will experience this as rejection when it's honestly more like a healthy repentance. Wow. I love the quotes from Brian McLaren that more eloquently shared this idea. Quote, for many of us, faith deconstruction has been a quest to honestly examine our faith, to understand how it has changed over time, to face the harm done by its done by done by and within our faith, and to acknowledge its contemporary forms are neither original form nor its ultimate form which means that our faith is not static, but is, in fact, improvable. Deconstruction has become a way to reinvent the faith that we inherited and give it a future. Deconstruction is a faith and hope, not deconstruction. End quote. Wow. I think we could do an episode on that. Jeez. Just that, just that quote. Um, oh, yeah. And then the last, the last thing he says is, I think a conversation about deconstruction Deconstruction could be healthy with pastors in our state, but it has to look different. Stories and testimonies could change negative connotations and provide understanding that would help those on the front lines of ministry instead of the negative. I'd love to see more of that. How about a town hall on deconstruction, Jim Lyon? Oh, we actually have somebody up there who's going through a process of deconstruction. I know. I'm just saying, like, preacher Sunday, there's no women. Well, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate right now. Like, I'm just saying that, like, maybe we should do the town hall. Well, I think our podcast weekly is a is a way to have this town hall. And yeah, we don't we don't need the official COG brander. We're uh, that's that's really good. We could probably just end it right there. Like, well, I mean, I mean from it, like that whole quote is just, it's powerful. Deconstruction it is. Is a, has become a way to reinvent faith. We inherited and give it a future. Deconstruction is faith and hope, not decon or destruction. I kind of like the point that those who have left the faith haven't necessarily deconstructed. You know, and I think sometimes it takes, I think for sometimes it takes people to leave that environment to learn from it to learn from it and when you can learn from it i think for some of these people and you know and i think that's kind of the danger of social media especially for those that tim and um alicia is mentioning is like yeah they're going they're saying it and sometimes sometimes the negative comments they're getting from the church people is just kind of reaffirming what they already believe, and it's not helpful. But at the same time, people who say, oh, yeah, I agree with you, and that's also not helpful, too, because then it's like, well, I'm right. And I don't think there's anybody to say, you know, I'm really sorry you had a really bad experience. And, you know, I really would just like to talk with you just to kind of learn more about your experience. And kind of even understand like hey here's the scriptures that were used that really hurt me you know like my friend about the women women in ministry and it's like oh wow like you but you do realize that's not what that passage is talking about you know like second timothy like the verse of second timothy 
it's not talking about women in ministry. It's talking about something completely different. If you really look and study it, you can kind of, you will really know what Paul's trying to talk to Timothy about when he makes that comment about women should be silent in the church. It has nothing to do with women in leadership at all. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, and I think when you have those conversations, and and I liked at the end of Jeff's um, article where he talked about, you know, we can. They give, you know, the book gives things on how you can be loving and have those responses. And, you know, I think that's kind of what you have to do. You have to kind of be open and not be defensive. And I know for a lot of people, we've been trained that we need to defend our faith. We need to defend the Bible. We need to defend God. And the reality is we don't need to defend God. God can defend himself. I'm I'm a pretty lousy lawyer for God, you know. But friends, I'm, oh, go ahead, Micah. No, no, I was gonna say, I'm just sorry. I'm just so blown away by that quote. I'm just sitting here. Really powerful. Yes. So, friends, let us know if you've read this article from Indiana Ministries. Um, if you're from the Church of God and you have positive thoughts about it, we like to know. If you have negative thoughts about it, we like to know. And again, we always thank you for listening to us. I'm so sorry that you have to listen to my voice on this episode. <laughs> Sound like a very old man right now. So he's smoked for years, but I, I assure you I have not smoked a cigarette at all. So friends, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend and we'll be back on next week with another episode, preferably with my original voice. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Scott Simmons podcast. The Scott Simmons Podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. We thank listeners like Patty and Scott, whose support goes to this podcast's continual growth and maintenance. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so in a number of ways. First, feel free to give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode and share it with your friends. If you'd like to financially support the Scott Simmons Podcast, you can go to the website ko-fi.com slash the Scott Simmons Podcast. That website again is ko-fi.com slash the Scott Simmons Podcast. Thank you so much for listening.